Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. And once again, we are returning to the Saga of Deep Purple. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I was going to do the great reveal music and realize that's dumb. <laughs> so, so, so obviously what I chose was so much better. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. Um, notes for this episode are once again drawn from liner notes written by Simon Robinson. Also, some notes from Roger Glover. This time from the albums Made in Japan and Who Do We Think We Are? Well, I know who we think we are. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when last we left off with Deep Purple. <laughs> Sorry, it's like those old cereals that you'd get at the movie theater when they do the 10-minute thing and, you know, they're tying the maiden to the tracks or something. And yeah. <laughs> last time, Lone Ranger. Uh, the members of Deep Purple, um, guitarist Richie Blackmore, and drummer Ian Pace, singer Ian Gillen, keyboardist John Lord, and bassist Roger Glover. Have I pointed out that the with the Mark II lineup, Deep Purple technically had three guys named John? You have not. We've made fun of the Ian thing. Yeah, yeah. Ian is a form of John. And after I realized that Ian is a form of John, I realized that the letters I, J, and Y are all pretty much the same damn letter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, that's, no, that's neat, though. Yeah. Anyway, they had uh, just unleashed a beast of an album, uh, the iconic Machine Head. Although the recording Machine Head had brought a new sense of camaraderie to the band, once on tour, old cracks that had been patched over began to reform. It didn't help that yet another U.S. tour had to be postponed and rescheduled, again due to illness. Uh, guess, guess who it was this time? Um, illness, illness, illness. Richie. Yes, Richie Blackmore. Um, I don't know what was wrong. It was just illness. <laughs> what's, what's wrong? He's ill. I don't know. <laughs> He's sick. We know that, but what's wrong? <laughs> uh, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so to make up for the lost time, the band squeezed four tours of the U.S. into the first six months of 1972, uh, in, addition, in addition to European dates that had already been scheduled. Is, would, would this have been similar to when Zeppelin played and they could only be in the U.S. like six months at a time, so they squeezed all of them in so they, they wouldn't have that tax thing? Uh, it could be, yeah. It could be. Or, you know, it was just, hey, we, we had all these dates that we had to reschedule, and this is the only time we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we took a note from Jimmy Page's lead wallet, and we want all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the time the tour ended, guitarist Richie Blackmore and singer Ian Gillen were no longer on speaking terms. Uh, the offstage tension translated into legendary performances on stage, though, uh, including two performances in early July 1972 at London's Rainbow Theater. Now, that didn't, because I, I, I didn't go back and listen to it, um, when we were talking about some of the stuff that Purple had accomplished, their record as loudest band in the world. Was that not from a concert at the Rainbow Theater? Because I'm wondering if it was one of these two July 72 performances. Um, if you want, I know where that is at. Let me let me go grab it and I can tell you. Okay, sure. No, I can't. Oh. oh, I went through all my notes 
threw everything away that I had already used, and I just <laughs> took the trash out <laughs> literally 15 minutes ago. So oh, well, no, never mind. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> yeah, and you may have mentioned what what month and year it was. So, but I know it was Mark II lineup, and it was around that time so yeah. so it may have been one of those two particular Could have. I, I mentioned the year but yeah. not not i don't think where okay you know if, if it was great and if not that's okay too <laughs> it's great it's great <laughs> uh so in late july of 1972 the band arrived at a rented villa outside of rome italy to begin sessions for the next album which would be titled as i've already mentioned who do we think we are uh, do you where, know where, where did the, the name of that come from? Well, that's, I was just getting ready to tell you that. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I was just getting ready to ask if you knew. <laughs> I, I do, but only because you told me that's why I was trying to lead you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so the title comes from fan mail, usually written into the, the British rock magazines, which would say things like, who does Deep Purple think they are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they uh, had the, uh, the the Rolling Stones mobile, and again had to set it up far away from the recordings or the recording area. This time, because the lone gate in the wall surrounding the villa that they had rented had an archway that was too low to allow the truck inside the grounds. Uh, uh -huh. All right. <laughs> So, uh, according to Roger Glover, they had to walk about a third of a mile to get to the truck to hear playbacks, which w was a lot easier than the maze they had to go through at the Grand Hotel and, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they have issues with. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Every time they use the, the Rolling Stones mobile, they have issues. <laughs> On top of all that, their gear was late in arriving. So, to fill in the time, the band sampled the Villa's wine. <laughs> and, and recorded a couple of songs, uh, still unreleased at this point, with only a piano accompanying them. I, I say the band, air quotes, the band. Uh, <laughs> but while everyone else was staying at the villa, Richie Blackmore had other accommodations and spent a good bit of time away from the villa. Once the equipment arrived, work started, but only two songs were completed before they had to stop. So the reason this time that they had to stop, do you know what it was? Illness. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> no. <laughs> that wasn't a bad shot, though. You know. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It was their first tour of Japan. In fact, this upcoming tour provided the lyrics for one of the two songs recorded at the villa in uh, Italy. Ooh, ooh! I bet I can guess that name, song name, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, my woman from Tokyo. Uh, well, yeah, pretty much. Just uh, leave the my off. <laughs> Well, you say how you want. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, woman from Tokyo. Roger Glover said, uh, we had yet to visit Japan, but we knew it was booked and some of us were, were anticipating the trip. A riff of Richie's turned into a story about an imaginary love affair with a woman from Tokyo, one we hoped we would meet. The lyrics speak authoritatively about something we knew little about at the time, but that's what imagination is for. Sounds like somebody's trying to cover their tracks with their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Fly into the rising sun Face a smile at 
and I mentioned that there were two songs completed. Um, I'll come to the, I'll come back later to the other one because uh, they, they shelved it for several years before it got released. So out of the three or four weeks worth of work, much of it actually spent in the Villa's pool or sampling local wines, Deep Purple had one usable song. However, it wasn't just goofing around that cost them recording time. Roger Glover uh, again explains, Richie wanted the band to go his way, and of course the band didn't want that. Shocked. Shocked, I say. <laughs> yeah. Um, he continued, I'd come up with loads of ideas, and he'd just sit there and look at me. He started playing a riff, and we'd all join in, said, that's good. Let's do that. And he said, no, I'm not letting you do that. I'm saving that for my solo album. By the way, Richie was going to do a solo album. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Uh, the press who showed up to cover recording sessions took note of the tension within the band and concluded that a split was imminent. And what Blackmore was working on, uh, he was planning on doing a solo album with Deep Purple's drummer Ian Pace and Thin Lizzy's bassist slash singer, Phil Lynott. It never made it past doing the demos. So as far as I know, unless somebody's released a bootleg recording of the demos, none, none of this has ever turned up anywhere. Well, I say that. Uh, I'm sure the ideas wound up being used later, but not on probably not on the Deep Purple record. I, I think I know where some of them wound up. And and if you know this history already, then you probably guess where the, some of these ideas probably wound up. <laughs> but first, the Japanese tour. So they had three dates: Osaka on August 15th and 16th, and the uh, Budokan or Budokan. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Well, though there's the our way and the actual way. <laughs> yeah, we, and that's in Tokyo. It's a very, very famous venue. Uh, Cheap Trick recorded there. Kiss actually recorded there, but uh, that was, well, I, I won't say never released. The full recording has never been released, but I'm, I'm not going to get into that. We, we, You know, it might be interesting to do an episode just on the, the Budokan. Yeah, that's how Cheap Trick actually became big. They were doing yeah. okay, and then they released their live album, and yeah, whew, wham. Yeah. No, well, not wham. Cheap trick. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's in Tokyo, and that was August 17th. The shows were extremely successful. Uh, Roger Glover would later say, uh, when we did the Budokan, 12 or 13,000 Japanese kids were singing along to Child in Time. The fact that we could come halfway around the world and find that they knew our lyrics was fantastic. If ever there was a moment when I was proud to be in Deep Purple, that was it. Nice. All three shows were recorded, and uh, Deep, Deep Purple planned on putting out their first official live album. Originally, it was only going to be released in Japan, but as word got out, plans were changed, and a worldwide release was scheduled. And we'll get more into that here in a little bit. I, I will say that it irritates me when bands put out albums in other countries that I can't get. Yeah. And, and again, you know, just kind of going back to the thing with Cheap Trick, that's what cheap trick at Budokan was originally supposed to be was just a Japanese release, but importers in the U S got a hold of it. Radio stations got a hold of those and it turned into a huge worldwide hit for them. Um, the kiss record I mentioned was supposed to be just a Japanese release. Kiss wound up scrapping it in favor of doing a live two, but from what I've understood, portions of the Japanese concert wound up on a live two. And the Runaways also did that. They recorded an album in Japan, and for a long time, it was only available in Japan. And it's a very good live album. It's a little sloppy in spots, but I'm chalking that up to the energy because I've heard other live performances by them that were really good. 
After the Japanese tour, Deep Purple returned to England for a series of concerts and then back to the studio to finish the studio album, Who Do We Think We Are? This time in Waldorf, Germany. Is that next to Statler, Germany? Uh, oh, 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 I was waiting for a joke and that was not the one I was expecting. <laughs> Did they have nice. salad for dinner? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Did they toss the Waldorf salad? <laughs> oh, <ew. laughs> I, I was waiting for the joke you made earlier when we were on the phone. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much a joke as they, they just seemed to really like hanging out with those Axis powers. <laughs> Italy, Japan, Germany. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, and, and to our and to our listeners in Italy and Japan, or no, actually Italy and Germany, because so far nobody in Japan's downloaded any episodes that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, we have to do the terrors in Budokan before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, uh, apologies for the World War Two joke. <laughs> well, you can apologize. You're all cool I, now. I, I, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, back in the day. The, the, the leadership of those three countries back in the day were asshats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's put it that way. Typically not the people. Yeah. Uh, uh, moving on. <laughs> Before we get into what assholes we've had as leaders in the past couple centuries. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just leave it at that. Uh, so the Deep Purple settled into a routine. Uh, the four instrumentalists, uh, Richie Blackmore, uh, Roger Glover, Ian Pace, and John Lord would work on songs, and once finished, Ian Gillen would come in to work on the lyrics and vocals. Apparently, this was the pattern they worked on it typically because the song I mentioned that hadn't been released on the album that was recorded when Woman from Tokyo was recorded, that that's kind of why they ran into a problem and why I'm not releasing it, which I'll get into later. Okay. Uh, while it kept tension down in some ways, uh, mostly because it kept Gillen and Blackmore from each other. <laughs> um, it, it exacerbated it in other ways. Uh, because while it kept the two of them separated, it also allowed Gillen to come up with lyrical jabs at Blackmore. <laughs> I'll get to more on that in a bit. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but it wasn't... Oh, and uh, just for the record, Woman from Tokyo is the opening song on the album. So I'm going to kind of go through the songs in, in order, like I usually do on, on these. I, it wasn't only Blackmore that Ian Gillen directed his ire toward. Uh, while the album opened with the aforementioned woman from Tokyo, which I just said. <laughs> Damn notes. Deja vu. <laughs> what? Deja vu. Huh, what? <laughs> okay, let's kill it there. <laughs> um, the second track on the album, Mary Long, was a response to two conservative busybodies in England at the time, Mary Whitehouse and Lord Longford. Yeah. Yeah. Those fuckers. Yeah. So, is it uh, me to talk about them? Yes, yes, actually it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was leaving a pause there. <laughs> Just where it's going to start going, then I'm like, well, wait, wait hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mary Whitehouse uh, was was the UK's pre-Tipper Gore, Tipper Gore. And yeah. even even worse. <laughs> worse? <laughs> yeah, worse. Worse? <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, uh, it, she's a British campaigner uh, for morality, decency, via Christian beliefs, which I, you know, paraphrase. It's not an exact phrase, but... Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, she focused her attention on broadcast media and would later really try to hit literature and theater, too. 
Mm. Uh, she she hated. Um, uh, there are many things, but that would be boring as fuck. So I'll I'll hit the things that sort of fit in with many of our concepts and and contexts and what's not throughout. Ooh, context. Ooh, what's not? That's another drinking term. That's one of the ones I didn't write down. <laughs> what's not is now okay. Yeah, that's two. Hold on. Ah, <laughs> uh, Oktoberfest. Mm, water. Yeah. So, uh, for example, she she singled out Doctor Who for violence and being scary, and and uh, Tom Baker, probably the most famous Doctor. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that you see with the big scarf and and stuff. Uh, he he. <laughs> are you laughing about Sheldon? <laughs> no. I'm just. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, and uh, damn it! And now I can't think of the actor's name. Can I can't think of the other actor's name? Okay, I, so so with the with the big scarf and everything, every time I see him, I think of ah, damn it, Donald Sutherland. Oh, <laughs> Donald Sutherland from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think the 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 shot of him at the end of the movie, he was wearing a big scarf. Or for some reason, I just keep picturing Donald Sutherland with a big scarf. <laughs> You could do worse than picture Donald Sutherland in a big scarf. <laughs> be picturing Donald Sutherland naked. <laughs> Thank goodness for big scarves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry for that digression. <laughs> uh, damn it, you used a non-drinking term. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I guess he. Um, there's a cliffhanger in the. Uh, uh, well, with the the episode name uh, assassin something 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 assassin shit um whatever uh yeah that's the exact name of the the episode something Woo-hoo. something assassin assassin something something shit <laughs> um but he died he drowned in the cliffhanger and she just thought that was too much and yet you can't do that it's a kid's show and it's scary and uh, oh jesus yeah she's uh well exactly <laughs> oh don't get me started on that's a kid's show yeah uh, well, we've already talked about the Tolkien yes, thing. Yes, we have. And, and I've actually got another quote that also, yeah, we'll, we'll get that in a second. But yeah, kids like that stuff. They, so. they do. But it's not just necessarily for kids. Right. Uh, so anyway, her beliefs and what's not brought her into direct conflict with, because it's the 70s, uh, the sexual revolution, feminists, and gay rights advocates. Shockingly. Yeah. She, uh, she disliked the song, My Dingling. <laughs> of course and then i bring that one up because our high school band played that song we did at a high school dance well, yes <laughs> once <laughs> and, yeah uh she did were we asked to never play it again <laughs> i don't I, recall <laughs> i i was not privy to that information because no, just two of the people Carl in the band may to. have yes so okay <laughs> Uh, all right. No, that, that's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's their idea to play it. And if they didn't want to play it anymore. Well, that that's true. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I, I liked it though. Oh yeah. Um, that's, yeah a Chuck, that's a Chuck Berry song for those who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just like clockwork orange, obviously. And I mentioned good. it cause I'd like to do an episode on that sometime. That would be a good episode. We should do that. Yeah, she let's, let's rephrase that. We'll do that. Oh, we'll be <laughs> <laughs> sometime, maybe maybe not soon. Haha, <laughs> 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 foreshadowing. Drink. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> oh wait, and it's only water. It's water. Uh, she uh, she got life of Brian 
uh, to be banned in theaters in certain areas in Britain because, you know, it's blasphemous. Oh, Mon- Monty Python's oh, Life oh. of Brian. Oh, yeah, there's an episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she I watch her, that every Easter. <laughs> it's, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she uh, did this appeal to women. She kind of used items from the, the temperance movements. You know, mm-hmm. like lips that touch alcohol, she'll never touch these. And that, you know, she so she got women to go and do the things. And um, and so everything I've said so far, picture her. Uh-huh. Picture her in your mind right now. And if you look her up, I bet you're not wrong. Kind of like Andrea Dorkin? Well, I, I think of it more like the church lady from Saturday Night Live, but, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one of my favorite things. Of course, she can say whatever she wants. Right. But she's just so she was mocked and satirized in you know all sorts of places, and she sued quite a few times for libel uh, and lost because you can't say anything without being mocked and satirized, and maybe you should not say anything. Wow, that sounds familiar. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> How topical is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. I mean, she has one decent thing. She's against child pornography. So I've got a couple of quotes. Would you like them? Is there enough time? Um, I guess. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll keep these short. Uh, I won't do the whole thing. Uh, but Richard Hoggart in The Guardian, 2001, talked about her narrow-mindedness and that it, she went, um, her main focus was on sex followed by bad language and violence. And he actually said, odd, if she'd reversed the order, she might have been more effective. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, Philip Hinchcliffe uh, in the a DVD Doctor Who documentary thing said, I always felt that Mary Whitehouse thought of Doctor Who as a children's program for little children, and it wasn't. She was really coming at the show from the wrong starting point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So not only is it okay if children's shows have some of this stuff, it's not a children's show, Mary. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I have on her, and I can talk about Frankie Boy in a second. Or now. Or, or what, Lord Longford? Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. So Frank Pakenham, the seventh Earl of Longford, an Anglo-Irish aristocrat. Fucker. So, yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to picture him, picture Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Okay. A little uglier and pockmarked. He, I don't find as bad as, as Mary. Uh, he championed for social, he's championed social outcasts and went for uh, penal reform and um, you know, so, so he tried to do some really nice things to help the downtrodden. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, he even uh, helped decriminalize homosexuality in the UK. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Was, was. And until later in his life, he regretted it and tried to reverse it. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was a different, different subject, but the, I was, was having a conversation with someone earlier today and, and the phrase, you know, once that genie's out of the bottle, <laughs> it's kind of hard to put it back in. <laughs> once, once you've rubbed it out. <laughs> oh, wait, I mean. <laughs> okay. So the, the line, and here's the thing that's interesting about Frank Boy, was the line of the song, uh, Go Find Your Friend the Porny Lord. Yeah. Comes from, uh, he was very anti-porn. Okay. So anti-porn that he did a self-funded report. He toured sex industry establishments in the early 70s. He went to Copenhagen and went to sex places. And <laughs> the self-funded report was about how horrible it is. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's uh-huh. all you did there. Uh-huh, sure, Frank. Yep. 
So that that's where his hypocrisy comes in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's 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 a lot of what the song deals with is the hypocrisy, and they you know they they combine the two people into one character in the song, but that's yeah, the, the, that's that's the thing is the hypocrisy of the two people. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's more about Mary, but they combine I, the names and they and yeah. they use bits of him, and yeah, yeah. it does have some of Gillen's best lyrics. Uh, and, and I'm going to play a sample here in a second, but I'm going to go ahead and read this one because it's this is later in the song. I'm, sample's going to be the probably first minute or so of the song. But uh, yeah, there's this lyric, uh, when the nation knew you'd had children, it came as such a surprise. We really didn't know you'd had it in you. <laughs> How you did it, we can only surmise. <laughs> That's an excellent play on words, Ian. <laughs> that's, see, that's why I love Ian Gillen yeah. as, a, as, a, as a lyricist. I mean, he, he puts that kind of stuff in. That's hilarious. <laughs> what do you mean? It's easy to get, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so here's a sample. <laughs> track on the album is called super trooper and uh, like the song pictures of home from machine head it deals with loneliness uh, only this time more from the perspective of the music industry now do you know what the title references i do not unless unless they're doing a play on words from the abba song super trooper mm, i which came out seven years later uh in that case i would say they're not um okay so a super trooper was a type of spotlight that was used at the time so when you're on the stage and you got this big spotlight shining on you that's really all you're seeing is that light and i mean you know you're gonna you're gonna have that blackness well where the audience is you're not gonna see them and everything so you're alone in that spotlight wow i think abba stole that whole idea then because they talk about super trooper beams are gonna blind me but I won't feel blue because I know you're out there in the huh. crowd. Well, they totally, yeah, no, I'm not saying they ripped off Deep Purple. They may have never heard the song, but the idea is very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swedish fuckers. <laughs> hey, wait, we've got listeners in Sweden. <laughs> they're cool, but, you know, they're going to be Swedish fuckers. I make fun of American fuckers all the time. That's so. true, yeah. <laughs> yeah I Speaking of Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was a young man when I died. Oh, I was fresh, I was full of pride. Oh, I gave it all, I gave my soul. I was so strong. I felt the truth, I felt the pain in every song. 
So up next after that, uh, the fourth track on the album is Smooth Dancer. And that is the song that I was referencing earlier that includes lyrics that are Ian Gillen's jabs at Richie Blackmore. <laughs> Roger Glover said, it's illuminating to read those lyrics and realize what was going through Ian's mind. He wasn't going to take what Richie was handing out, but at the same time, he wanted to be friends with him again. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, and, good, and I good, think good it's, luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I think it, I, I mean, because recently Deep Purple was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, there, were, there was some controversy because almost all of the members who have gone through Deep Purple were inducted at you know as part of the band um there were only two maybe three i think that were not richie was invited but ian gillen made it very clear that richie was not going to play on stage if they played and I, i'm not sure richie was going to show up anyway but he didn't you know but i i really don't know that ian saying that richie was not going to play on stage with them had anything to do with it you know ian addressed it later and he said look he said richie and i talked every once in a while you know so it's not like they can't be friends but i think it's really hard for them to work together yeah and as we do more episodes and they won't be coming quickly but we will do more episodes <laughs> on this lineup but you know dealing with the 80s and when they get back together yeah these two have a tough time working together so you know i but yeah if he still wants to be friends with the guy i get that so yeah yeah so the next song uh, is Rat Bat Blue. I just I love that love that title. <laughs> I love that title. Is this the one with the scat? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Well, they're kind of a scat. I mean, it's like he's no it, it scat man like brothers, yeah. but yeah. yeah. It sounds like that's what he's doing, yeah. It, it's about a one-night stand, and it's got one of my favorite Richie Blackmore guitar riffs. It is, it is good, yeah. yeah. And actually, that's where Rat Bat Blue, that's where the lyric came from, was... <laughs> <laughs> Ian heard that and he went hey that sounds like at least I think that's what I remember reading I didn't put that in my notes but I'm <laughs> sure that's what I remember reading <laughs> Hey baby, what you gonna do when the 
up after Rat Map Blue is uh, Place in Line. Based on a sci-fi book Roger Glover had read, I don't know what it is. The notes didn't mention it. I have no idea, so I, I can't go read it. It's possibly my least favorite Deep Purple Mark II song. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I don't care much for the slower first half of the song. For some reason, it just I was like, would have expected, even, even slower, I would have expected more from them. You know, it's not like they can't do some really amazing stuff at a slower tempo. I live in in this land, know my place. Could think of no way. Gene along loses race. But the second half, in my opinion, uh, the second half is pretty good. It picks up the pace and has a pretty good jam in it. So I, I do like that. So it's it's not, you know, it, it's not their worst song. It's just my least favorite. You're entitled to that opinion. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We are geniuses, after all. That's true. So the album ends with a track called Our Lady. Uh, John Lord um, described it this way. I don't get a lot of John Lord quotes. Um, he said, uh, Our Lady might be quite surprising. For a start, it's very slow and concentrates more on the tune and the lyrics, and there are no solos. It's just a song, which is not normally the way Deep Purple seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a song, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's a nice song, you know, and, and again, going back to what I was saying about Place in Line, this is a very well done slower tempo song. And, and I just, I just love it.
are you saying that this is another album with such good songs that if you don't have it, you should go out and buy it? Well, it's not as good as Machine Head. Of course, I would be hard-pressed to name another Deep Purple album that is as good as Machine Head. <laughs> but I think it's as good as In Rock and Fireball. So I think it's worth getting. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying you should own it like I would say about Machine Head. But I, yeah, it's definitely worth getting. So yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the song that wraps up the album. Now, I'd mentioned before uh, that there was another song finished during the original sessions in Italy, and that song was called Painted Horse, uh, and it was shelved at the time because the rest of the band, uh, but I'm guessing mostly Richie Blackmore, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, I, I don't know. I, no, but if I was a betting man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would, I would put money on that, but most of the band were not happy with Ian Gillen's vocals. While, on the other hand, Ian Gillen and engineer Martin Birch. See, I had to work Martin Birch's name. Ah, you know, I was going to ask you, um, well, I, mostly because I knew who it was also, and I wanted to work him in. <laughs> I, I was actually just like biting my time, damn it. <laughs> uh, but they thought the vocals were, uh, it turned out uh, quite good. Judge for yourself, here's, here's a sample of Painted Horse. <laughs> refused to redo the vocals and Blackmore refused to let the song on the album. Uh, therefore, <laughs> um, it, it doesn't turn up until 1977 on the powerhouse compilation that I've mentioned a couple of times before. And I, since powerhouse has gone out of print, so it's, I, I mean, you could find it on vinyl, maybe cassette. I don't know that it was ever released on CD officially, but you can, if, if you're a record collector, you might be able to find it. But all of the songs from Powerhouse have been released because they were all leftover songs from sessions or they were some live recordings. Um, again, like I, I mentioned uh, in the first Mark II episode, some of the songs that were recorded the night they did the concerto that were not part of the concerto were released on, on this compilation. But all of those songs wound up getting re-released on like deluxe editions of those albums that the songs went with to begin with. Oh, like uh, when they do remastered CDs. Yeah. Yeah. And they did um, everything deep purple released from 1968 through 1975. 
So, so everything from when the band formed to when the band originally broke up in the 70s has been remastered and re-released on deluxe editions. So, so whether it's a 25th anniversary edition or a 30th anniversary, 40th anniversary, you know, whatever, uh, the, the, everything has been re-released. Nice. Yeah. It's for the fans. Yeah. Not the money. Ooh, but the fans. Well, I, I mean, it was great for me because I've got, I've got Powerhouse on vinyl. Well, listen, but, I'm, I'm good if it's for the fans and the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. But see, then I could make my own version of the CD because I had all those songs on CD <laughs> after that because I had, you know, the concerto and I had in rock and um, actually I don't, was there anything I'm trying to remember if any of the leftover songs from in rock were even on that? Uh, I've got it pulled up and I can tell you the songs. I, uh, yeah, I'm not going to remember though. Cause I'm trying okay. to remember what the leftover songs from in no. rock. Well, here we go. Uh, who do we think we are? Concerto, 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 made in Japan, and in rock, cry free. Oh, that's right, because Black Knight's on there. Yeah, yeah, the live version of Black Knight yeah, from Black Made in Knight. Japan. Yep, yep. Which we're going to get back to Made in Japan in just a, a second. Made in Japan, not Made, not in, made in Japan, Japan <laughs> which is an Iron Maiden <laughs> thing, which was a play on Deep Purples. Um, <laughs> Would you like me to tell you where it was number one first before you get into the fun stuff? Oh, yeah, where was it number one? Do you want to guess or you want me to just tell you? Um, Japan. No. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> want, to, want another? Guess? There are five. You can, there are five countries as number one. You, you know. Sweden. No. <laughs> You're close. Very close on two of them with that one. Germany. Actually, three of them. No. <laughs> France? <laughs> nope. Denmark. <laughs> Danish charts was one. All right. The Netherlands. Um, just want me to read these off. Yeah, just read them off. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Norwegian. I See, that was going to be my next one. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and Dane, the Danish, Australian, and Austrian, so you're close to Germany. Oh, cool. And uh, Italian. Hey, look, they, they recorded in Germany and, and Italy. <laughs> you you want to know where it peaked in USA? Uh, sure, yeah. 15. 15. That's not, not bad. bad. Not not top ten or top five, but top twenty. Top twenty is nice. I'd take a number fucking fifteen on an album. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody wants to pay me to make one? <laughs> no shit. With the album finished, uh, Ian Gillen makes a decision, and uh, he he notifies the band's management in London that he intends to leave the band. And it it kind of came out later that it was more of an attempt to get management involved to try and resolve the issues that were plaguing them. I've actually seen a quote from Ian where he says he blames poor management more than anything. Yeah. And that, that was actually my next point. Um, management was only interested in seeing the band fulfill their con contractual obligations. So uh, Gillen had no choice, but to follow through on it. Uh, he did agree to finish out the tour, including dates in the U S and a second tour of Japan. That, that's, so, that's very nice of him. Yeah. So in December of 1972, Deep Purple released their first official live album, Made in Japan. Now, at this point, they've still not released Who Do We Think We Are. Largely recorded during the first tour of Japan at the August 16th Osaka show, but including songs from all three nights. And as far as I know, the first instance of the phrase, everything louder than everything else. And now, I, I know Meatloaf had the song by that title. And I know, oh, what, Motorhead had a live album or something like that, was, had that title. That sounds right, but yeah. yeah. And apologies, I am not a huge Motorhead fan. I do like Motorhead, but I do not have a lot of Motorhead albums. And 
So I, but I do know that that, that phrase is associated with Motorhead because it's on a lot of Motorhead merchandise. Now, I, I'm not saying Ian Gillen originated the phrase. I'm sure it was around because he's talking, it, the microphone picks it up. He's talking to the sound guy. And then basically that's, you hear, and actually somebody, somebody else off mic, it was picked up and I don't know if it was Richie or Roger or somebody, but somebody says it. And then Ian says it into the microphone. He's talking to the sound guy. <laughs> so is he, can we have everything louder than everything else? You know, and then somebody chuckles, but yeah, that's the first instance that I know of that that phrase is, is recorded released you know whatever um, oh, yeah, Milos wasn't that wasn't until it was uh, about out of hell too in like what 90 what 91 is that 91 or 92 91 yeah or 92? yeah but uh, the made in japan album proved to be another huge success uh eventually selling over 8 million copies worldwide but do you know where it did not sell any copies when it first came out J japan no U usa the u.s because while it would eventually reach do you know what chart position? Ooh, ooh, uh, 19. No. I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you seem like 20 was a big deal earlier. So <laughs> it reaches number six on the U.S. charts. Ooh. But it Damn. wouldn't be released in the U.S. until April of 1973 because Warner Brothers, Deep Purple's U.S. label, waited to release it until after Who Do We Think We Are was released in January of 1973. They felt that a live album wouldn't do as well in the U.S. market. As, do they uh, know the U.S. market? <laughs> um, yeah, well, they think they do. So the live album that they waited several months to put out actually sold better than Who Do We Think We Are. And, and see, and that's, that's kind of why, to me, this album is also similar to the Fireball album. Not just because it's about at the same level as Fireball, but because it's overshadowed by the two albums that came out before and after it in the U.S. at least with Fireball in rock. Well, I, I say in, in rock wasn't that big of a success in the U.S., but worldwide it seemed like it was a bigger success than Fireball. And then, you know, you had Machine Head. So Fireball kind of gets forgotten in between the two of those. And then again, in the U.S., you've got Machine Head and then you release Who Do We Think We Are? And then Made in Japan comes out and you kind of get who do we think we are forgotten in between the other two so yeah you had that going on <laughs> again again the u.s label fucking stuff up <laughs> shocked, shocked i say yeah the 25th anniversary release of made in japan would also include uh the encores recorded during those shows black knight which i mentioned earlier speed king from in rock and i'm not going through the rest of the, the actual set because we've talked about all those songs uh, but <laughs> but but the one i do want to say and, and i'm going to play a sample of this just in just a second the third encore is a smoking heavy version of little richard's lucille awesome <laughs> and it, at times probably not in the sample i may i may tack this I, I may tack another sample of this on the end of the the outtakes but there are times when it's almost unhinged just the way they're playing like it's just <laughs> well, so you know how they weren't you know how they weren't getting along yeah kind of like that significant other you have mm -hmm. where you just hate each other and want to be done with each other but the sex is really good <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that's uh... <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that, that might not be too far off. There. <laughs> I think it's an apt metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> or an analogy. Analogy. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, maybe analogy is better than yeah, metaphor. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. kind of it for the deep purple mark two saga for for a while anyway until they become deep purple mark 2b yeah ian okay. gillen uh would leave the band after the tour which appropriately enough ended in japan on their second tour there uh management yeah you're gonna love this actually james already knows this story but you the listeners you're gonna love this <laughs> management and and of course this again goes back to what ian gillen said about management screwed things up fearing that blackmore would also leave and take drummer ian pace with him since he'd already done the demos for a solo album with pace and phil Lynott from thin lizzy management convinced roger glover and john lord to keep the band together they talked to ian pace who agrees to stay on and this in turn led blackmore to scrap his plans for a solo band on the condition that management fire roger glover what 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 i do <laughs> yeah exactly it's kind of how roger felt wait what <laughs> but but um you bastard <laughs> yeah so yeah it's going to be a while before we get around to the deep purple mark three stuff maybe after first of the year so we'll see but uh yeah we'll, we'll eventually we'll get to it um because we do want to at least finish out the stuff in the 70s yeah so, yes yeah. we do oh uh before i forget i did find a bootleg copy of Ian Gillen's last performance with Deep Purple from 1973 before he left the band. Um, it's not a great recording. It's a, it's an audience recording. Would have been great if it had been a soundboard recording because that's the feed directly from the amplifiers into the soundboard. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I've listened to it. It's not, I mean, as far as audience recordings go, it's not the worst I've heard. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet and he he says a bit of odd stuff um and he kind of at the end of the show he was just kind of like that's it the end you know and that that's like the last thing he said before he walked away from the microphone <laughs> well and if you don't know what's coming <laughs> yeah if you don't know what coming is all that's kind of weird you know <laughs> all right bye <laughs> but yeah i uh, hope you enjoyed the deep purple saga up to this point <laughs> I, I certainly have. Yeah, it's but been I, fun. I've, I'm a man of distinction and class. 
<laughs> well, you say you you stink and you're an ass. <laughs> I was gonna say you're like school during the summer. <laughs> New class. Oh! <laughs> Uh, <coughs> <coughs> uh, were you doing eating pretzel oh you bastard <laughs> and, and on that note <laughs> i'm james i'm jody <laughs> talk to you guys all later <laughs> bye the macabre manor is brought to you by the twin terrors all rights reserved stay tuned for some fun outtakes maybe so far. <laughs> Pusha. Yay. <laughs> That's what I was getting ready to do. It didn't help that another. There. 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 Wait, the vampire episodes aren't up yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but I think I'm going to leave it in now. <laughs> <laughs> We're sticking the end. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Too, too, too many. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> How's the curse going, Cursey? <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I stole it from Simpsons. <laughs> I, I figured something like that. Yeah. Oh, I was I was gonna say I'm gonna try and cut back on the f bombs because I haven't gone back and listened to the last few we've recorded yet, but I know I dropped quite a few. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna cut I'm not gonna stop doing it, but I'm gonna cut back a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure I do many. I try not to do as many F bombs, but I, I I certainly do know I curse and <laughs> I might be inappropriate. <laughs> it might be inappropriate? No. <laughs>